For those who risk their lives each day for peace, may their hearts glimpse providence at the heart of history. That those who make riches from violence and war might hear in their dreams the cries of the lost. That we might see through our fear of each other a new vision to heal our fatal attraction to aggression. That those who enjoy the privilege, the privilege of peace might not forget their tormented brothers and sisters that the wolf may lie down with the lamb, that our swords into plowshares, and no hurt or harm be done anywhere along the holy mountain. Contextually, we see that this is a passage, thank you, Phil, for reading it this morning, out of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a Old Testament prophet. If you look at your Bibles, you'll see that he's in, he's one of the major prophets. Why? Probably because he's got one of the bigger books. <laughs> Isaiah prophesied from 739 to 681 BC to a nation that had turned deaf, a deaf ear to the Lord. And instead of serving him, Yahweh, Jehovah, with humility and offering love to their neighbors, the nation of Judah offered meaningless sacrifices in God's temple at Jerusalem and committed injustices throughout the nation. Sound familiar? All you need to do is kind of read a, a cursory survey of the book of Judges where they were serving God, they fell away, did abominable, horrible things, nation rose against them, usurped them, occupied them, they cried out to God, God raises a judge, and the cycle goes. You know, Gideon, and Shamgar, and Ehud, and, but here an entire nation, the people of Judah turned their backs on God and alienated themselves from, which, from him, which created the need for Isaiah's pronouncements. They weren't happy, happy, joy, joy announcements. These were announcements of judgment. Declarations made in the hope that God's chosen people would return to him. Sound familiar? That is the whole premise of, of the gospel. Not declarations of, of wrath going, or turn or burn, but it's an invitation to return. The nation is, it was caught up, struggling, having a deaf ear, turned their back to God. If I could remind you of this three things before we finish today, it is the three P's of peace. Hold on, John. I spell peace differently. <laughs> Present, promise, person. See, historically, as we trace back to their present, the nation of Judah, the Jews were struggling and, and constantly being at times of war, of strife, 
There was no peace in the land of Judah. And then they went through this time of 400 years. It was called the intertestamental time between the Old and the New Testament. There was 400 years. Have you noticed that? It's like this part. It's just like this one page in my Bible. But that's 400 years. Have you ever thought about that? They're like, I don't even have a page that says 400 years later. You know, like in SpongeBob, 400 years later. Like, we don't get that in this. It literally goes, and Matthew. We welcome, they were welcoming the advent of Jesus Christ. That is adventus. Like, that is what we're all doing. It's if you're wondering, going, John, you know that Christmas is like not even, it's like a month away. Yes, but I think we are so quick to jump right into Christmas and we forget that there was a journey. 400 years. This was a time of many changes in cultural traditions, living conditions for the Jewish temple and with other Jewish groups being scattered throughout all the other countries. This allowed local customs and beliefs to influence their lives. During their oppression and their stress, each separate group continued to, the, to worship the best that they could. Sound familiar? We're worshiping the best that we could post-pandemic. Also keeping records of events and, and you know, oral history. They were trying to do the best. And for such a time as this, God saw, God heard their prayers. I'm seeing sound familiar a lot. Very much like the time that the, God heard the prayers of the people uh, that were under Pharaoh's foot in Egypt, crying out, crying out. The voice, the voice of sorrow and despair, crying out. And then that, for such a time as this, God spoke to Moses through a burning bush and says, now go. Take my people, lead them, rescue them. They are wanting to return back to me. They knew the posture of their heart. And for that moment, now is the time, Moses. Go to Egypt. I'll give you the words to speak. I'll give you everything that you, everything that you need. I'll provide for you. Because now their hearts are ready. 400 years. Jews were crying out. Where are you, God? Where are you? Where are you? These Romans, where are you? These Egyptians, where? Like everything just seems to compress and compress and get harder and harder. Where are you? How many times have I heard people during the pandemic and even now, where are you? God, where's the church? Where are you? For such a time as this, the present. Strife, death, war, pain, greed, wrath. We saw this continued after Jesus was born and after his ministry here on earth, after his death, even after his resurrection. There have been conflicts for thousands of years. Great wars, world wars, wars on terror, cyber wars, School shootings, mosque shootings, wars in Ukraine, Burma, India, Uganda, Venezuela, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, and the list goes on. 
all the countries that were trying to bring text into, they're at war. I'm reminded of O'Donohue's poem this morning. Do you remember? That those who enjoy the privilege of peace might not forget their tormented brothers and sisters. Our present now is marred and filled with death and torment. And in so many spaces and places, there is no peace. For some pastors, they would leave it there. Good night, everyone. Don't forget to tip your waitress on the way out. That's how some pastors would just leave. Deal with it, they would say. You know the Bible. She'll be all right. But wait, there is a promise. Our present doesn't seem good at all, but there's a promise. In Isaiah 2, we see the promise that God will issue in a new shalom. Everyone say, shalom. This is a peace that goes beyond all of our understanding. It's not, hey, peace, man. It's not that kind of peace. But the shalom of God, I have it up on my screen here. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And what? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a promise from the Bible to you. There's a peace of God that surpasses my understanding. So you can't figure out this kind of peace. You can't conjure this peace. You can't manufacture this peace. You could try, though. You know, there was a time when I was a soldier, I so desperately wanted to join the Blue Berets. Canada was known as a country that was a peacekeeping nation. We would send hundreds of thousands of our troops to wear the United Nations Blue Beret and do peacekeeping missions in places like Somalia and Cyprus. That was my hope when I was joining the army. I wanted to peacekeep. But it was still a peace that, that was conditional. We were coming into that country going, okay, now you play okay, and you just be okay, and stop shooting them from over there. And, just, and we just kind of like, hey, 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 hey. We made, a, we made an agreement. No shooting people after six, right? It's, it's like a manufacture piece. It could, it's so conditional. It's so like up to us. But the shalom of God it has nothing to do with us. It is a God-originated thing. It is a God-supplied thing. And it is a promise to you and to me. The forging you know, this permanence of peace, I was going to bring my shovel onto the stage this morning, but back then, they, they, that was not an implement of agriculture. Plowshare, I don't know if you even know what a plowshare is. It's probably an instrument that you hold with two hands, has a big kind of blade, and then you plow rows into the ground. But the interesting thing is, what are they transforming to make that plowshare? Weapons. And I, I'm not a blacksmith, but I have seen Forged in Fire episodes on YouTube. But when you take something like metal, like from a, 
from swords or whatever, and you melt them down, it is a permanent thing. To then melt it down and, and build and, and tap and hit and hammer into an implement of agriculture, that's a kind of a permanent thing. And God is saying, no more will this nation go to war. But you will take your weapons, and if you let me be your blacksmith, I will make them into something that is useful and good for the earth. And that will be the peace. And it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, right? If you think about it, stockpiling massive, like, pruning, not pruning, spears into pruning hooks and swords into plash. Can you imagine the blacksmith, like, piles and piles of weapons, melting them down. And as a nation going, are we okay with this? Are we sure? Like, can I just keep my one, dra- my one dagger? Like, it's, a, it's through the person. Jesus Christ. He is the reason for the season. He is the incarnation. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. He's the reason. I want to just read this passage if, Jeremy, you have it. It's Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let that wash over you this morning. That there's a prophetic promise to our present through the person of Jesus Christ. He is... And the challenge for us this morning, as I finish this morning, is this. What a crazy time to celebrate Christmas this year. But I remembered, we celebrated Christmas last year and the year before that. Post-COVID, war in Ukraine, the cost of living increases, there's a housing shortage, food security, there's street gangs. There's, we're not, some of the things that we're wrestling with is so hard. We're tired. We're broke. We're frustrated. And I guess the list can go on and on in your present. But there's hope. I'm telling you, church, family, there is hope. There is hope. I'll leave this verse up here as well. And I thank you for starting this verse. John 3.16, just soak in this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, hope, should not perish but have eternal life. But I love 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Amen. That's his rescue plan from the time of the burning of the bush to the time of the nation of Judah to the time of the 400 years. Each one of those present times, there has been a promise and the person has always been Jesus Christ. So we could not only go this way, but we can start this way. Because of Jesus, there's a promise to our present today. 
So whenever we get caught up in the gangs or the violence or, or sh- housing shortage or money, whatever, just go away. John just said, you know, there's a person, Jesus, he will be involved in my presence because of, uh, because of a promise, because of my present situation. And that is the peace that we can expand our minds and go, I don't get it, but God gets it. The person, the promise, the present. (sighs) To engage the nation of Judah, to engage the Jews during the 400 years, to intersect in person with the people at the time of the first Christmas. It wasn't a peaceful time when Mary and Joseph were coming into Bethlehem and looking for a place. I, I remember our labor with Michaela and Cyprus. We had a plan. We have to go to a hospital. But if all of a sudden on the day that we were going to go to the hospital to have one of our kids, all of a sudden, you can't go there. You need to go across town. And then we find out that there's like no trains or and It would mean that's not a peaceful situation. But even then, in that moment when, the, when Jesus was born and the magi were standing over and the, the sheep are, ah, and the cows are mooing and all that kind of, like, they're in that micro moment. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. I'm going to end the service this way, I think because it's, it's noon o'clock. Why don't we all stand? And our, every time we do a hooey at the beginning of the service, Josh asks the, th- this question. He goes, so at the end of your speaking, John, how do we land? Like, where, where do we end up? And I said, I want to I want to end up in a place of surrender. Because the only place where we can really truly experience the peace, the shalom of God, not the manufactured peace or peacemaking, but we enter into his peace is with open hands. You cannot, you guys do this white knuckle? You can't white knuckle peace. I'm going to have peace. Like, have to have peace like this. So every, every eye closed, just put your hands out. And repeat after me. Peace be with me. Peace be with me. Let let it soak in. Your peace be with me. Christ, Prince of Peace, be with me. I enter your peace, surrendered to you. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Sing it. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm away, 
Lord, have your way in me. Sing one more time. Yeah. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Surrender to you. Live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake. Lord, have your way in me. Peace of God, come rest upon us. Your shalom, bathe us afresh, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' name.